We bless you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to rejoice in the Lord? Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We lift you up, Lord Jesus. We magnify you. Hallelujah. 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 Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. And you are good, you're good.
Worship the Lord to Let it be, Lord, let it be, 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 let it be
Hallelujah to you, oh God. Hallelujah. We lift you up, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Have you come to bless him, to lift him up, to magnify the Lord? We glorify you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Lord, we praise your name.
Praise one more time in this house. He's worthy. Hallelujah. They talk about the fact of equipment of the body or equipping the body. And today I have something for you as you walk out of the doors. Please don't take more than you are going to use. But as you walk out of the doors this morning on either side of you on tables, there are two uh, stacks of these cards right here sitting on there. These are a simple invite card. It says this little invitation could change your life forever, and uh, which I love. And then on the back, there, there's some information about our church and uh, how people can get here. Facebook page so they can go on and watch even before they come. And so if you would help me with that, this is the easy way to invite people. I don't care if you're leaving for your waiter or your waitress, however you want to do it. Uh, for those people that say, well, I'm embarrassed, can't talk too much, this makes it easy. Come see us sometime. I'm, 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 Brian's ready to jump to action. He's ready. Man. But anyhow, you can grab one of those, and uh, or five of those, however many you can hand out. I've got a thousand of them, all right, that we printed, but um, if you're going to use them, please take them. If you're not going to use them, anybody know what I'm going to say? Please don't take them. But if you are going to use them, we want you to. They do cost money, but I promise you that's the purpose of spending it. It's an investment so that we can tell people about our church and about uh, what the Lord's doing. I want to talk to us today on a sermon entitled, Work is a Calling. Uh, I was at a church years ago, and I remember a lady coming to me and saying, Pastor, the Lord has put a ministry on my heart, to which I thought at the time, if, if you want to get a pastor excited, you come to him and tell him you want to do ministry. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you want to get a... Pastor discouraged and come to the office and complain a little while. Ain't nobody got time for that. But you come to a leader and you say, listen, the Lord spoke to me last night. I mean, you talking about perking up in your chair, son? I don't care if I've drank coffee yet or not. I will get so excited to hear that God is calling you to something. I'm learning the longer that I live, I want to have a purpose for existing. I don't want to just go through my life and come to the pearly gates and think I did a halfway decent job. If I'm going to make it through, I want to know that I made a difference in my community, I made a difference in my church, and I made a difference in every person's life that I ever had the opportunity to come in contact with. I think if we could think that way, that we would change the way that we go about the kingdom of God and our mentality for the church. I was, I was standing at church. There's this lady that comes to me and says, Pastor, I need to talk to you. So we set a meeting. I think to myself, this is great. God's really about the work. And she comes and she sits down with me. She speaks to me for a few minutes. And she starts casting a vision. I can't even remember all the details. All that I remember was sitting there thinking, this is a wonderful idea. A wonderful idea. And I got excited because I knew that what she was wanting to do would work. It would work for our church. I knew that church. I knew exactly what would and wouldn't work. And when I heard it, I said, this, this is a match made in heaven. This is beautiful. God's about to do something great. So as I'm getting excited about the calling that God has given to her that she had just the other night while she was laying in her bed trying to go to sleep, 
And I'm getting excited about it. And she says, yeah, that's, that's what I want to talk to you about. I said, good, well, I want to help you and equip you. Whatever you need, you let me know. And I'll make sure you have it. To which she replies to me, no, 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 no. I didn't want to do the ministry. I just had the idea. I mean, you talk about depleting a tire and doing it quickly. I wrecked. All right, I lost control. I'm, I'm gone. Because I'm sitting here, I'm thinking to myself, this is a great idea, this is a good ministry. But all that she wanted to do was share the ministry with me, and then she wanted me to do the ministry. Come on, somebody. Anybody can come up with a good idea. The problem hasn't been the ideas. I've got a lot of good ideas. The problem has always been getting the worker to make the idea happen. So today in this service... My goal today is not to give you a motivational speech where everybody leaves saying, man, I feel good about myself. My goal today is to make every one of us leave this field saying, my gosh, I've got to do something to help the kingdom of God grow. I have got to do something that will make a difference instead of just living a life just because I'm alive. I've got to do something for God. Look at Colossians chapter 3.23. I'm ready today. Whatever you do, work at it with what? With all your heart. I don't care if you're the person that takes the trash out. Seeing oh how I love Jesus on the way to the dumpster. But whatever you're doing, do it with all your might. If you are cleaning a toilet, whistle while you scrub away. But when you get finished, make sure the toilet's clean. Are you still with me today? Whether you want the spotlight and you want to be a speaker and you want to get a microphone, then by the time you get finished preaching or teaching your lesson, by all means, do it with all your heart. This is the key. As working for the Lord and not for men. See, that's the problem so often. is the things that we do, we do it to satisfy men. When God is saying, you're not working for men. When you are doing my call on your life, you are working for me. And when you begin to understand that concept that I'm doing it for the Lord, you begin to do it with an A-plus attitude. You begin to do it with the spirit of excellence. So what is a calling? Now, we think ourselves it's a designation for Billy Graham and Mother Teresa. And we think it's for ministries and preachers like myself, evangelism. Don't you believe, none of us could deny, that before we knew that Billy Graham's name existed, he was doing ministry? Does anybody agree that before we knew a Mother Teresa, this old lady that's going around helping the homeless and feeding the poor and, and trying to do benevolence for her communities? I mean, before we ever knew what her name is, don't you think there's a story, backstory to where she was doing a calling and ministry before that point? We, we've got this mentality so often that we limit it to that. We think that we have to have this burning bush experience or, or this Saul on the Damascus road where a great light shines down and says, Saul, Saul, it is I, the Lord. I want you to do this or I want you to do that. And we often don't have these dramatic experiences when it comes to the call of God on our lives. Sometimes it may just be a whisper. But does that mean that we are not called? Absolutely not. I was reading a lady's story the other day who God had called in the ministry and, and she was into the ladies' ministry at the time. 
And she was talking about the fact of how that when God called her, He spoke to her through His Word. And it was the scripture that I read to you today in Colossians 3, 23. Where he says, whatever you're doing, work at it with everything. Not to men, but to God. Whatever you do. It goes from homemaking to teaching a Sunday school class. It goes to keeping books. It may go to writing a poem or writing a song. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And it was amazing because she says that she's trying to wait on the call of God. She wants this experience where God really speaks to her in a dramatic way. But that's not how it happened. A friend picks up the phone one night and calls her and says, There is this scripture that the Lord gave me last night and told me to call and to give it to you. If you have your Bible, would you please just turn to Jeremiah? To which she thought Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. And Jeremiah is the guy that's always preaching doom and gloom and despair on me and destruction to God's people. She said, I don't need that. What I need is hope. But when, he ta- when she told him to turn to the Scripture, go to it, it was in, in Jeremiah chapter 29. At the time, she didn't realize the verse. He said, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you shall find me when you seek me with all your heart. It was at that moment that she understood that God through her friend was letting her know that God was calling her in the ministry. I remember as a young man, I'm only nine years old, I remember the call of God. I heard it. I knew what God said. I remember riding down the road, and I remember just crying and weeping as the Holy Spirit riding down the road, my mother driving the car, and the Holy Spirit began to speak into my life and said, you're going to preach. This is, this is what I've called you. This is your ministry. This is your calling. This is the work that the Lord is going to put into your lap that you must do. That's to preach the gospel. I remember as a young boy, all I did was hear the voice of God. Listen, to accept your work, whatever you do as a calling is to receive a sense of purpose in life. It will bring a new passion that you have never known before. It is still work. Don't misunderstand me. Doing the call of God on your life is going to be hard work. But at least when you do your work, you know it's purposeful and you know that it's meaningful and you know that you're doing what God has called you to do. Now, there's somebody here today that you are thinking to yourself right now, you are thinking, well, I'm not called to preach. So I'm glad that this ain't going to be relate, uh, relative to me. I, I don't have to listen to this sermon. God isn't calling me in the ministry. See, I want you to understand, preaching is only one ministry. The gift of helps is a ministry. Going around and feeding the poor is a ministry. Blessing the fatherless and the widows is a ministry. Getting together with women or men is a ministry. So so let's go ahead and get this scope and broaden it and understand that everyone that is here today that we are all going to have to deal with this before we go home. 
And number one, I'm going to give you four characteristics. This is just four simple things that will accompany a divine call from God, whatever the ministry is, whatever you do. Number one is this. A calling is distinctive and unique. It is tailored fit. It is custom fit. You know, I've always wanted to go to a tailor. Has anybody ever wanted to experience that? I wear suits all the time. So for me, until I figure out the price of them, and then I don't want to go anymore, but up until I figure out the price, I've always wanted to go in there. I want to Mr. Purdue. What you coming in for today, sir? Make you back a millionaire for a little while, right? You walk in there and they say, let me get your measurements. Raise your arms. And they're measuring your length and they're getting everything just right. If I went and did that, spent the money on a good tailored suit, and I came to church Sunday and said, man, look at this. And people say, man, you look really good. It's because this suit has been made for me. Now, we can get Brian. I say, Brian, man, isn't this a nice coat? Put on this jacket, and I want you to show the congregation. Well, I got news for you. No offense, Brian, but it just isn't going to fit right. It's not because it is custom fit for me. I would to God that there were some people that you would understand that the calling that God has for you is custom fit. I need somebody to understand that the work that God wants to use you in it is unique and only you can fit in that, that suit. Can I say it that way? Only you. God has custom fitted for you. So here we see God is speaking to us in different manners. It may not be the blinding light that we fall on our knees like Saul. It is in our quiet times. It's in our devotion that God comes to us and He speaks to us. Usually it is our desires that follow our gifts and our talents. In other words, God equips us with the things that we need. I, I'm, I'm, ever since I was a kid, I had a love for music. So what did God do? God gave me giftings for music. Oftentimes the desires of your heart, the things that you are passionate about, it didn't happen by coincidence. God did it in you specially, uniquely, because He knew one day that you were going to use those gifts for His glory. Is somebody with me today? So watch what I'm going to show you here. So all of a sudden, now God has given me these giftings. Now it is my responsibility to hone in on the talents and the skills and the unique custom fit giftings that God has given to me. The gifting that God has given me is not going to fit you. The gift that God has given you is not going to fit me. We are all unique and we all... This is why it's so important to understand that when we get in this mindset that my ministry is more important than your ministry, hogwash! Every ministry, if it is for the glory of God, it is a ministry that, brother, there's no ranking with this stuff. Whether you're preaching the message or whether you're cooking the meal, if you're doing all you can for the glory of God, both are ministry. So understand with me today that there is a temptation in me and there is a temptation in you that when we look at ministry and we look at others, there is something in us that wants to mimic what God is doing in somebody else. 
Beware of that. It will not work. When, when you, you know, you go to these church conferences and they tell, you know, as pastors, we go and they tell us, well, this and that and the other is what we did in our church. And as a pastor, you know your church and you're sitting there the whole time thinking that, that might have worked for y'all, but that is not going to work for us. You know it because you understand. You understand the fitting. You understand the uniqueness, the distinctiveness of that body. See, we have this temptation that if I can do it like they do it and just mimic them. But see, just because certain things work for them doesn't mean that it works for me. I've got the function in the gifting that God has given me. See, God doesn't see us as groups. God sees us as individuals that He has gifted. That too is comforting because that means that when God comes to this house today, He doesn't compare us to one another to see who's better than the other. The one thing that we can rest assured on tonight or this morning rather is this fact. That whatever God has called us to do, He will also enable us to see it to completion. If God has called me to a work, if God has given me a ministry, then God has also given me the tools in which I will be successful at that ministry. Number one, a calling is distinctive, it's unique to you. Number two, a calling may be difficult to fulfill. It's work. If you're not willing to work at it, then you can't be in ministry. If you're not willing to sweat a little bit, God can't use you in His kingdom. Somebody said, this ain't the kind of sermon I came to hear today. I know it. But man, I'm telling you, it is. We want our churches to grow. We want our churches to be blessed. I'm going to give you a recipe today. I don't care who your pastor is. It will work. I don't care if you got Jimmy Purdue or Jimmy Swaggart. <laughs> or Jimmy Little. Alright? I don't care who you've got behind it. When the body begins to function in the ministries that God has called that unique individual to function in, and regardless of how difficult it may be, they keep on going, it will work. We want to change. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone because that means we move in the new territory. It is risky when we try something new. It is risky when we try to do something that we think instead of stepping out in faith and saying, God has called me to this work, I'm going to do it. Many at that moment that the first storm comes or difficulty comes or they find themselves discouraged and downcast, they often give up on the ministry. Well, I started out and it just ain't working. No, nobody's doing this or that and the other. It's not contingent upon what others are doing. You just be faithful with what God's called you to do. And God will give the increase. Woo. I love Apollos. I love Paul. Because I love when he told them, there's one of us that are going to come and we're going to till the ground. There's one of us that are going to come and we're going to preach the gospel and we're going to put seed in the ground. There's another that's going to come behind us and they're going to start watering and then all of a sudden it's going to be fruitful and it's going to be blessed. But notice this. The same person didn't till, preach, and water. 
Woo! Preacher, preach today. I'm trying. I want us to be blessed today. I want our church to be blessed. I want this community to be blessed. And I understand that if we're going to do it, somebody's got to work. And somebody's got to understand that this work is actually a calling from God that He wants to So when we live a life, you that were here the Wednesday before last, we talked about the word compromise and how it's not dress code or, or going to the things of the world. We talked about, and that can be one form of it, but we talked about compromise being settling for less than what God intended for you. Settling for less than God's best for you. When we follow our calling in ministry, we have this fear of failure. We wonder if, if we're going to succeed. The first freedom of strength is when we give our anxieties and our fears to the Lord, understanding it's Him that has called us, not ourselves. It is David crying in Psalm 61, 2 and 3, when he said, my heart is faint, when my heart is about to give way, when I feel like I'm about to have a spiritual heart attack, and when my heart is overwhelmed and I don't know what to do, would you just leave me to the rock? That is higher than I. In verse 3, he said, For you, Lord, you are my refuge. You are my shelter. Listen to me. How can I fulfill this calling with so many obstacles in my life? He is your refuge. You run to that port of refuge during your times of discouragement. You go to God's Word because God's Word has an answer. Look at Second Thessalonians with me this morning. I'm going to show you that. He says... With this in mind, what in mind? This, let's read. Paul said, we are constantly praying for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling and that by, are you with me? His power. By His, no wonder Zechariah said, it is not by might nor by power, speaking of man's power, but it is by your spirit says the Lord. It is by His power that He may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by your faith. We have to understand that the man that writes this understands the difficulty of ministry. His name is the Apostle Paul. He's been shipwrecked multiple times. He's been beaten he has been stoned and left for dead. There have been multiple attempted assassinations on his life. So if there's anybody that can tell us that a calling may be difficult, it is the Apostle Paul. But thank God that he kept on going and he wrote over half of the New Testament for us. And he says we're praying that God would help you to fulfill your calling and your ministry not by your power, but by His Power. There's somebody that needs to understand today. If God is speaking to you to do something and you are sitting here thinking, I can't do it. Ding dong. You have hit it. The buzzer should ring right now. You have got it right, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot do it by yourself. You are not able to do it by yourself. But by His power, you can and you will succeed at whatever your hands find to do. Number three, a calling, I like this, a calling disturbs the devil. I, I want to say that again. A true calling on your life disturbs the devil. Now listen to me. 
A church building does not scare the devil. A matter of fact, I'm sure he's trying to wander somewhere around here right now talking to some of you as I'm trying to minister the word right now. A church building don't scare the devil. Some of you already heard him on your shoulder. Yeah, you can't do that. Don't listen to that preacher. That preacher's crazy. Well, he got that part right. I'll give him that. I am. He's walking. It doesn't. A building called a church does not scare the devil. Church people that come to church and attend church doesn't scare the devil. Are y'all ready for this? We're getting deeper and deeper into the Word. But a participator disturbs the devil. Someone with a calling. Someone with a ministry. Someone that has the mindset as we started that says, I am going to just, I'm going to charge hell with a water gun. I'm going to, every time my feet hit the floor in the morning, I want all of hell to tremble because he knows I'm about to make a difference everywhere I go. That disturbs the devil. I want to show you, there is great joy in, 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 in your calling. Alright, I'm going to tell you something. There's been times I've preached a sermon and I had somebody come to me and say, you know what, Pastor? That sermon kept me going. I mean, you want to talk about encouraging, that's encouraging. I mean, I've had people say, hey, I enjoyed the sermon. Well, thank you. You know, that's, that's great and I appreciate that. But when you have somebody that comes up and uses, man, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know who in the world you were preaching to today, but I'm going to tell you one thing. You were preaching to me and that is exactly what I was praying about yesterday. I mean, that... That's encouragement right there, folks. And you know at that moment that because you have done your ministry, the best that you are able to do your ministry by His power, and someone has been changed, you know at that moment, regardless of how discouraged you've been, regardless of how you felt last week, you know at that moment this is something worth celebrating. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. So there are times that when you accept the ministry, the call of God on your life, that you are going to have celebratory moments. You are going to celebrate because good things are going on. But you've got to understand, there are also going to be days where it's, it's bad. It's bad. But does that mean we quit? Does that mean God hasn't called us? No, it's called life. Get over it. It happens. We all wake up on the wrong side of the bed every now and then, don't we? Satan will hinder in every way possible. And sometimes, listen to me, Satan will use good people, good people, to complicate and confuse the ministry that God is trying to use you in. I have had some really good people, even as a pastor, that have complicated what God was doing in ministry. They were good people. They were great people. Some of them, I don't even think, Miss Phyllis, that they understood what they were doing. I really do. I think some people have hurt us mistakenly because they're good people. They wouldn't do that. They don't want to hurt us. 
But they just said something out of turn. And they didn't realize how much it discouraged and understood. Let's just say it the way it is. That the devil was using them to disturb what God was doing in our life and in our calling. See, understand with me. Even the Apostle Paul had issues. A matter of fact, him and Barnabas, read your Bible. They had a falling out. It wasn't that Paul was a bad guy. It was not that Barnabas was a hypocrite. Barnabas was a man of God just like Paul was. They disagreed. And Barnabas said, well, I'm going to take Mark with me. And Paul said, well, that's fine, honey. You leave me. I'm taking solace. But they both split ways. But guess what they kept on doing? They kept on doing their calling and their ministry. So good people can hurt you and not even really mean to do it. Don't let it stop you. It doesn't matter the barrier. It doesn't matter the strongholds that are thrown in our path by the adversary. They can be overcome with diligence, with hard work, with faith in the one who has called us to it in the first place. Give me about 10 more minutes and I'm closing. Hebrews chapter 3. You need to see this. This is good. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters. See there, ladies? God didn't leave you out. Who share in the heavenly calling. What kind of calling? <laughs> that, that, that changes everything right here. This isn't an earthly calling. This isn't a preacher calling. This is not a, I say God called you. This is something that came from heaven to you. Woo. A heavenly calling, the first thing he says, don't fix your eyes on people. Don't fix your mind or your ears. Tune them in to what people are saying and their affirmation over your life. You don't need to call grandma and make sure that God spoke to her. God's not speaking to grandma. He's speaking to you. So he says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. That is it. Look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of your breath. Don't look to anybody else. Because when God calls you, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to pat you on the back and say, boy, we've been waiting for this. We're so excited. It's not going to happen. You fix your eyes and thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Do you see what I'm telling you today? The devil will try to disturb it. You've got to fix your eyes, your thoughts on Jesus, and you've got to just keep on doing ministry. Number four, and I'm going to leave you with this. A calling eventually will develop into great overwhelming joy. A true calling, and I'm going to read this, a true calling reveals its presence with enjoyment and a renewed energy. A passion that comes with doing and being what God has called us to be. A true calling. Now I understand in churches, there are times that we do things out of obligation. Right? Can I get an amen? There's times that we do things because, quite frankly, there was no one else to do it. That is not God's will for this church. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to say it a little more bluntly. 
Sometimes we raise our hand and volunteer. Let me stop right there. Thank God for volunteers. I honor you today. I thank you today. I'm telling you, I respect you today. I love a good volunteer. You can't beat a good volunteer, right? But there's too many times in our churches that we have volunteered because no one else would do it But God had not called us to do it. Is everybody still with me? I'm going to give you a prime example. Now, I play the piano. If I did not play the piano, and Sandra was out next week, and I tell Brian, Brian, I volunteered to play the piano. All right? And I go back here, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about, where's my power? He's already muted me. And I'm sitting here singing, and I'm playing, How great. It's our God. Sing with me. How great. Brian would be like, hey, hey, stop it. He's going to give that signal he gives him. When he does like that, that means just quit. Brad ain't going to know whether he's talking to him or to the pianist, all right? But he's going to be quick, quick. Because if I'm not called to do it, if I'm not gifted to do it, can somebody please tell me why in God's name I'm playing a keyboard? Because quite frankly, I shouldn't be on the keyboard. What I'm trying to tell us in short is this. That we need to hone in on this thing. And we need to figure out where God has called us to serve. And we need to serve there. We don't need to do it just because it's an obligation. We do not need to have the mentality because nobody else will do it. I'm going to do it. What we need is a group of Christians that will say, Father, give me a heavenly calling. Give me a burden. Give me a heavenly ministry. I want to make a difference in this community. I want to make a difference in this church. Jesus, here I am. Use me. Is there anybody in the house? That's ready to accept the call of God on your life. Not just to preach. But to do what God needs you to do. I'm reading a book now by a guy named Tommy Barnett. He, he was a, a pastor in, uh, at one time at Texas. I think he's in Phoenix, Arizona now. But man, Tommy Barnett is this book called There's a Miracle in Your House. And the gist of it, I'm not finished with it. But the gist of it is this. That whatever your church needs to be successful and fruitful and grow is sitting on your pews. If it is not sitting on your pews, then God will put their rear end on your pew. But either way, God has equipped this church With the people that are meant for this season. And I don't know about you. But I am not satisfied with mediocrity. I am not satisfied with the lack of excellence. Because God has already commanded me. That if I'm going to try to do it. Do it with all you got. Because God's saying. If you can't give me all you got. I don't want none of you. If you're going to have to do it. Don't do it at all. Because you're working for me. You are working for the highest calling on all the world. The heavenly calling. When God calls, He equips. There's a film called Chariots of Fire. As I close, go to the keyboard there, Sandra, if you don't mind. Eric Little 
explains to his sister why he must run in the middle of the movie. She doesn't understand why he wants to run. But I quote, Eric Little said, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. There is no greater joy than knowing the pleasure of God. And we feel His presence in our lives when we run. When we do the abilities He's given us. When we do what He has called us to do. All of a sudden, we feel the joy of the Lord swelling up in us. If I could tell y'all how many times and be realistic with you that I got in this pulpit and didn't even want to preach. If I could be that transparent with you today, I can't even tell you the number of days that I got up on a Sunday morning and I thought to myself, I'm not feeling it today. Just don't feel like it. I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like telling people anything. I, don't, I just, I. But when I got in a pulpit and I started doing what I do, doing my heavenly calling, I don't care how bad I felt when I got up that morning, how discouraged I felt, or how I felt depleted like I couldn't help anybody, I couldn't even help myself, how can I help them like I'm feeling like that? I mean, but it's in that moment that I start doing what God called me to do. And all of a sudden, this joy that I can't explain starts filling me up. And the pleasure of God is coursing through my veins. And I look out over a congregation and I understand today you did exactly what God has called you to do. And I may not get a well done from you, but as long as I hear Him say well done. And when I get finished, I walk down and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk down there and I'm going to knock y'all's hands. I'm going to shake some of you's hands. There's sweat running down. I'm still going to be wiping with this hanky right here as you're trying to shake my hand and you're thinking, that's disgusting. I'm smiling because the whole time I'm thinking, Whew, there's one thing I can say today. I left it all right there in that pulpit. I gave it everything that I had. And whether it was as good as last week or whether it was horrible. When I leave, I know that I did everything I could to do what God has called me to do. And I'm begging somebody in this house to let God put a ministry in you like that. I'm begging you to let God put a burden in. Listen, there's somebody. You know what you need to pray? You need to start praying. God, what does this church need to be successful? What do we need to grow? And let God put something in you or something that's already going that's struggling. And you need to say, God, let me be a part of that. Let me help with that. And then you need to talk to me. And we need to sit down and discuss what God's saying to you and pray together. And find where God wants you in His kingdom. And the moment that you do that, I'm telling you. The Lord delights in those who fear Him who put hope in His unfailing love. A short but powerful illustration is this. There's a familiar story of two bricklayers and it points out the difference in a job and a calling. The first bricklayer, someone walked by, asked him the question, Sir, what are you doing? 
I'm laying bricks, he replied with a cynical negative attitude that said, can't you see what I'm doing? However, there's a second bricklayer and the lady walks by him and says, sir, what are you doing? To which he replies with four simple words. He said, I'm building a cathedral. The difference is the first guy had a job, but the second guy had a purpose. And he had a calling. And he said, I ain't just laying bricks, honey. I'm building a cathedral. This church is the body of Jesus Christ. There are many in the body that are just laying bricks. What you doing this morning? I'm just going to church. What you doing this morning? I'm just going to listen to the songs. What you doing this morning? I I I just came to hear a sermon. We don't need more bricklayers in the body. Bricklayers equals numbers. But if we are going to do the kingdom work and be kingdom builders, we need cathedral builders that will say, there's a purpose why I'm going today. I'm going to be a part of ministry. I'm going because I help in this area. I'm going because I help do this or this or that. Other. We've got to find our place in the body in order to build the body. More people with a purpose to a calling. What y'all doing at Gap Hill? Well, we, you know, we do this and that and the other. We're kind of going through the works. Are you going to be that person that says we're building the kingdom of God? We're working hard for the kingdom of God because work is a calling. Two verses. And we're praying. Ecclesiastes 9.10. And I'm going to leave you with this and challenge you today to pray and ask God what He's speaking to your life. What? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Got it? Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. In verse 1 through 2, Tobiah and Sambalat have discouraged Nehemiah and said, get off the wall that you're building. To them it's just a wall. To him it's restoration. To him it's hope. To him it's God's wall. So I sent messengers to them. This is Nehemiah. With this reply, the devil tried to hinder. I'm going to send him back this word. I am carrying on a great project. Another said, I'm doing a great work and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? There's somebody they need to tell the devil, I am doing a great work and I'm not going to stop it. The next time for you that are serving, the next time the devil tells you you're not making a difference, you tell him like Nehemiah, I'm doing a great work and I'm just going to keep on working. I'm not going to slow down. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to be deterred. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm going to keep on working for the kingdom of God. Let us all stand as we come to a close today. Praise your name, Jesus. What is God spoken to your heart today. Are you a bricklayer? Are you a cathedral builder? Are you just here to see what you can get? Or are you here 
to see what you can give. Are you what JFK said? When he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but rather what you can do for country. What would happen if in the church we gained that same mentality and we said, let us not ask what the church can do for us or give to us. Let me ask, what can I give or what can I do for the church? If we can gain that mentality, that's kingdom mentality. Again, I don't care who the pastor is. I don't even care if you were six months without a pastor. If you have a system in place like I'm preaching about today, the church would continue to be blessed and it would continue to prosper. This is the way God wants His church to look. And it is only when everybody does their calling that this church will reach its full potential. Because if one or two are digging, planting, watering, pruning, taking care of, do you see how much time that two people have worked in that area when they could have been given of their resources and their talents to another area, the area God called them to work in? You are so important to God. You are so important to the kingdom of God. From this back to that back. I'm telling you, you are invaluable to this church. It is untold what you can give. There are some of you that you've lived in this community your entire life. I've been here a little over three years. Half the time, for the first few months, I'm driving back and forth all the way down there to Malden, Simpsonville. I'm just trying to learn everybody. And I go to businesses, and they know who I am now. And I talk to them and all this kind of stuff. And they're learning who I am. You're the pastor, Gap Hill, and this and that and the other. All right? I get it. But there's some of you, you could tell me most of the residents by name. The influence that you could have. The influence that God has already put in your hand. The influence God has already given you. In your hand. This little card is more powerful than my hand. Because your hand's already got influence. You've known this guy for 20 years. I just met him yesterday. What I'm telling you how many of you want to see your church be blessed? I mean, am I, am I the only one? Is there anybody today? I mean, really? I mean, who carries the burden? Who wants to make up a difference? Who wants to be like Ezekiel? That said, God said, I searched for a man. I looked for somebody that would make up the gap between the church and the world. And I could not find one. Man, God help us. God help us. Don't you want to see it blessed? Then help bring that change. Help be that person. Pastor, why do you preach with such passion today? Why are you saying this? Because I'm telling you folks, this thing's coming to an end. And there's people, listen to me, that are dying and going to hell. Why 
why we come to church. We've got to make a difference. Because if we don't, there's a father that's going to be in a wreck today. And he's going to die and go to hell. His children are never going to see him again. If I can change that man's life, even if it's simply handing him a car, my God, and he thinks, well, maybe I should give Jesus a shot. I've tried everything. And it changes what he's going to do in his life. And he gives his life to Christ. If I can help do that, then God have mercy. Sign me up. Make me that man. So make it. Father, I praise you for who you are. I'm asking you today that you would give us a burden. I'm asking you today that you would help us to have this stirring inside of us. As Brian sang a passion that is stirring inside of us. To do something for the kingdom. I'm asking you to help us to not just be content attending. Let us want to be a participator. Put something in us that says, my God, I've got to make a difference in the world around me. Now, Father, I've done my part. I have preached your word. I have done it to the best of my ability. I have put the seed in the ground. Now, Father, I'm asking you to water it. And I'm asking you to speak to every individual today. And I'm asking you to show them exactly what you want them to do. Show them exactly the call or the ministry that you want them in. And let them do it for your glory with all they have. In the name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen today. Grab someone on your way out. God bless you guys. Sing, Brian.